Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hi, I'm Julie Gunlock, Director of the Culture of Alarmism Project at the Independent Women's Forum and your host for today's Working for Women podcast. Today, I'm really excited to have a very good friend of mine, Yvette Dontremont. She's otherwise known as the Psy Babe. That's sort of her celebrity name. Um, she is the founder <laughs> of the, fa- <laughs> the fabulous website, SciBabe.com. Let me just stop there and say everyone should be bookmarking SciBabe.com. It's a great site. She launched it in the fall of 2014. Um, she had a lot of people kind of keeping an eye on her, but then... Um, she wrote a, a really <laughs> pretty hilarious piece uh, for Gawker, I think that's right, for Gawker, called um, yeah. uh, The Food Babe Blogger is Full of Shit. Um, it went viral. <laughs> that is her title of her article. I am not just cussing on the very nice uh, Working for Women podcast. Um, that was actually the title of her of her piece. The piece went viral, and it really launched sort of Cybabe into the stratosphere. And she now has a career managing that website and continuing her fight to debunk all the crazy bad information on the Internet and a lot of the conspiracy theories and bad science that we see on a daily basis. Um, She is right now writing a guide to bad science detection that will be out in the summer of 2008. We are absolutely thrilled to have you with us, Yvette. Thanks so much for, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It'll be out in, in 2018, just because I have not built a time machine yet. I'm working oh, I'm on sorry. it. I'm what sorry. What did I say? <laughs> you said 2008. Did... I wish I could, <laughs> man. If I could, <laughs> if I could build that time machine, I'd be all over it. But oh, I, goodness. I, I'm not an engineer. It's Look at okay. how good I'm, she is. Look at how good she is at tackling fake news. I'm debunking already. That's it's right. See, she is debunking. I am I'm I'm on it. I'm on it. It's but you know it's like I I can't be everywhere all at once. And the fake news. It's very. There's been a, a saying for a while. The magnitude of work that it takes uh, to debunk something is a magnitude higher of the amount of work that it takes to get uh, fake news to stick uh, in, <laughs> well, in, in in pop culture. Well, and it's look, like you, I was you start. It's there was if you remember, and this is one of those uh, little just. For example, uh, do you remember uh, a while ago, one of the things that, that Food Bay put out there was that the, these are beers that you have to avoid because they're bad yeah. or they have right. uh, GMOs <laughs> in them. I still see that cited all over oh, the I place. Know. I still I know. get people emailing me about that. And it was and people cite Food Babe as though she's a reputable source of information. And I all know. I have to do now, because that article was so, um, it was just such a one-two punch of just she's, you know, she's out uh, is it, just, I'll send someone that article and they're like, holy crap, really? Yeah, like yeah. she's this full of crap. I'm for, like, yeah, she is. I didn't people, make up a single thing in that. For the, for the people tuning in who are not aware, and, and this is because the, the Working for Women podcast covers a lot of issues from taxation to property rights to um, justice reform to um, health care. We're all over the map. So not, not every podcast has to do with food or debunking myths on, online. So I just want to give people kind of a sense. The Food Babe is, is a woman who, who became famous because um, she started to tell people that everything in their food was toxic, that things grown in the, oh are, are, are sold in the grocery store um, were harmful to you and your children. She started sort of this bullying tactics of showing up with a microphone 
phone to a local subway store and, you know, harassing the poor local manager, you know, for azodicarbonamide being in, in the bread, which is a preservative that's used in very minute amounts. And so you get it. You get it. I'm sure and most yeah, of you exactly. people, yeah. Yeah. And, so, and so, I mean, so, here's the thing, in order... In order for people to buy into this, they have to ignore a lot of just facts. And I mean, we can get into the whole alternative facts thing, but (laughs) she was living, she was living with her own little set of, uh, of, uh, you know, she was, she she popularized alternative facts before they were a thing. Um, But, you know, you have to ignore the fact that we're living longer uh, and that we're, our lives are, are, you know, are longer and better and safer and healthier because of modern science and because of the good work of, of agricultural scientists and because of the type of things that we're doing with GMOs in modern agriculture. And she was just going out and being horrible to food companies. And I mean, I'm going to say it to, you know, to anything related to Monsanto and to scientists that ever touched um, a, a product from Monsanto because Monsanto, you know, it's like basically right, right, if you exactly. had any association Just, yeah. with them, you were bad. Yeah. And well, I want to talk a little bit. I want to get into that a little bit and talk about Monsanto because you toured Monsanto and we are about I to did? do the same. IWI. Yes, you did. It was very public. You were all over Twitter. Um, you know, Yvette oh, yeah. has, a, has a very large Twitter following and, so when she and she's very transparent. So when she does these things, she puts it out publicly, and I, I really admire her for that. But I will before I do that, I want to you know point out, and I think you you're really good about talking about this too. Look, there's a cost to this. It's not just freaking people out, right? Because what the, what the food babe says that she does is she improves people's food. But I think what what isn't mentioned a lot of times is she just says, oh my God, they've used a chemical in 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 a bread or in in these crackers. But what she doesn't point out is the reason why. And look pathogens, yeah. bacteria will get into your food and it, it will mold them. It will make them, it will put them off. It will make them bad. And this all costs money. If you, if, if, if bread, for instance, I'm just using bread. If bread doesn't have a long yeah. store, a long shelf life, they have to toss more. Oh, what does yeah. that mean for the consumer? The price goes up. Yeah. So, so again, yeah, another thing never... with, um, uh, the thing with a bit of carbonamide is that it was a dough conditioner and it made the bread a little, you know, maintain that chewiness a bit longer That's right. and it made it last a little bit longer. Now I, I have, I have the real gluten disorder, not the, I live in Los yeah. Angeles and I'm a dick <laughs> disorder. Um, I, sorry, Los Angeles, we're kind of fruity out here when it comes to our food. Not it's, Please don't somebody ding me on using the word fruity. It's a joke. I, it's moving on. I, not that I think anyone who's listening to this podcast is going to be a pearl clutcher. If you can stand me using the word shit, you can stand me using the word fruity. Moving on. Um, but moving, moving on. Um, so the, uh, this, the people, uh, people have been saying since they – I haven't tasted the bread because I can't because I have celiac. But I've, I've seen so many people say uh, that the bread is worse since they've taken right. out the dough conditioner right. and there's right. a reason that they put it in there is because it improves right. shelf life and it improves the texture of the dough. Now right. they exactly. use it in such, now, now one of the things that food babe said was that it was bad for the health of workers in the factory. Yeah. If they inhale it, you know what they're right. not doing? Inhaling, inhaling it. it. They're not standing <laughs> over the bags of the stuff and going, mm, I'm going to breathe this in because it's good for my, that's not how that works. That's not how that works. And also, you know, the, I'm glad that you brought that up because 
because it does she what what her what her um, movement has led to is for instance taking the yellow out of mac and cheese my kids literally will not eat it anymore because it looks what? weird to them they like that sort of day glow oh day glow yellow and and so that's kind of and frustrating I mean it's, it's not like a huge loss to our family but it is kind of frustrating that she that you know, you know one of the fun things is that they that she wanted natural dyes put into it, and one of the dyes right. that they did replace it with uh, was a papri- was a dye that was derived from paprika. Well, here's a, here's one of the reasons why they use those artificial dyes is that they're they're quite inert, uh, yep. and they're not and they're generally not something that people are allergic to. Now, allergic there to. there is a chance that some people now you can have an allergy to almost anything. Like it's possible because an allergy is just the body's overreaction to something uh, now, or an immune system's overreaction to something. Uh, now the, the dyes are, you know, they're just because they're natural doesn't mean you can't have a, an allergy to something. Pollen is natural. People have allergies to it, right, um, but right. they're, they're, they're derived from paprika or one of the dyes is derived from paprika. I saw almost immediately somebody commenting on Kraft's page. This is one of the only things my kid will eat. And he, He's allergic to paprika. Thanks. Right. Right. I'm right, like, exactly. oh my god, this is this is horrible. Like, and well, food you have still been, won't eat the stuff. You truly have been. First of all, I, I really do want to mention again. It was in Gawker. It was called the Food Babe is full. Uh, the Food Babe blogger is full of shit. And I really, I mean, honestly, all you have to do is Google that and or, or, or half of that, and it will come up. Just just Google Side Babe. It's a really good read. And I want to I want to be very clear here. You know, you when you say Gawker, and when you when you when you sort of rattle off that title it makes it sound like it's it's a typical gawker piece which is just being mean and ad hominem kind of kind of insult it was not that oh no and that i I want to i want to say it was it was my first uh piece it was my first professional piece of writing like i had been a blogger till that point yeah but it really was but i want to say to the listeners look it is it is some hard serious science that you that that goes into it really is it's quite Despite its name and, and frankly, its its location, it is a serious piece that really explains the science behind a lot of these claims. She doesn't just say, "Well, she's crazy," and that's not how that works. She explains this is why I think you are so important on this scene. Is I find these issues very complicated. As as you know, when I when I when I try to debunk some of these these sort of bad bad science issues, you know, I I too I write in this sort of natural way where I try to explain these. But I want to be clear here: that is a chemical. She is a chemist, okay, and she understands science at a much deeper level. Bachelor's in chemistry, bachelor's in chemistry, master's in forensics, and I worked uh, for uh, for quite a few years as an analytical chemist, including uh, working as an explosives analyst for a Department of Homeland Security contractor. So yes. I've been there and I've done that. <laughs> And, and it's, so it's important. I think, I think that one thing that I've always said, and I think that IWF always says, especially when we're talking about science issues, be very careful for your, about your sources, okay? The, 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 yeah. this, um, the, science, uh, the food babe um, has absolutely no training in this area, and this is the important thing. I, I don't either, and so you could also say, well, I shouldn't read your stuff. But I actually never present myself. As a, as a um, as an expert, I always link to the experts, and this, and the food babe does not. Uh, I want to be very clear that is an expert in this area can really really talk about the science behind these things. So she's a wonderful authority on this. She's a great great authority, well, and is, I really encourage everyone to check out her stuff. I appreciate I appreciate you saying that. But here's uh, the other thing: is I I tell people it's I I love your writing too, and it's part of the reason why I post it on SciBabe fairly often. But the other thing is. I tell people I'm an expert on chemistry and on toxicology. Those are the two things that I've studied quite a bit. 
Um, but I tell people, you know, when I'm when I'm talking about other fields of science, when I'm talking about medicine, or if I'm talking about, uh, you know, pharmacology or something, I will link. I will say, here are the opinions, and right. here are the facts that have been studied by experts who are more knowledgeable than me. It's like right. I try to look for review papers that are, right. and, and re- review studies are studies that combine, you know, all of the studies from a certain area. Right. Like, you know, look for look for people that are willing to say, I'm not the expert, but here are the opinions from a lot right. of experts. Like, right. it's not, you know, like I, I'm willing to defer to people who know even more than me. And it's partially because I'm good at translating from, you know, from science to English. And that's really what you want to look for in a good science writer, somebody who's who's willing to break down the science into legible terms for people who aren't scientists. And that's, yes, um, and I, I I think that's think one of my strengths. I think one of your strengths, and I think I think you kind of nailed it there, but I think one of the other strengths is in in science writers is I look for a measure of modesty. You just mentioned, you know, I am I am a I am a subject matter expert in these narrow fields, but I am not a pharmacologist. I am not, you know, and so yeah. you know that's what what the Cybabe does. That's what I do. Is I say, look, you know, I don't I didn't go to school for this, but this person did, and they are considered a leader in their field, and they've done this data, uh, they've gathered all this data, they've done this meta analysis. You know, th- this these these are the important parts of of how to how to sort of choose your sources wisely. But look, I want to switch gears here because this is, you know, our podcasts are not oh, yeah. too are not too long and I want to switch gears and I do want to talk about your recent trip to Monsanto. Now, I know a lot oh, yeah. of people think that this is like, you know, whoa, you went to, into Monsanto and you 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 escaped uh, alive. I went there and I I escaped without them turning me into a GMO or give, <laughs> I was I was so hoping I was hoping I was going to get my superpowers and it did not happen. There was no, there was no radiation spill. I don't, I can't sling webs yet. Like yet. Yeah. I'm, I'm still hoping. I'm hoping. Well, when we go, when we go, I'm hoping they can genetically modify me so that I can eat all the calories I want and not gain a pound. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how that works out. We'll see how that works out. If they could. Yes. You know, if they could do that, they would because God be very damn it, popular. we live in a country where, yeah, it's it, you know, people would like everyone who's like Monsanto's the devil. If they could do that, everyone would be like, sign me up. You know, if it's funny that you it's, it's funny everything. It's Oof. it's funny that you mentioned that. I wrote a piece for the New York Post. The New York Post wrote ran this piece that I wrote that I said if if. If you know, if the biotech industry and plant scientists would just stop trying to save the world and instead um, take the carbs out of pasta and wine, all those yoga-clad moms <laughs> that are so offended by GMOs would suddenly back it. Like you wouldn't believe they'd be at, they'd be they'd be eating that GMO. They'd be injecting it like crazy. But of course, oh, they're yeah. simply trying to save it's, you know kids in, in in Southeast Asia from blindness. I mean, how boring is that, right? I mean, you oh, can't yeah. possibly well, get behind that. I live in California, so I continually try to ask my, my you know, the people out here that, you know, it's, I mean, I'm, let's, let's be blunt, I've, I've asked some of my friends out here, okay, what would you do if they genetically modified a strain of pot, which they're not doing for the record, uh, <laughs> you know, what if they genetically modified a strain of pot to be the best pot you've ever had, and 
I I have not gotten a consistent answer from my hippie <laughs> friends out here because some of them are like, sign me up, and some of them are like, well, no, well, look, well, well, well there's me. there's many there's many kind of parallels you can make. Look, let's not not forget that diabetes is is treatable because of insulin, which has been gen- genetically modified. I mean, there are lots of medicine, yeah. Genentech, major biotech company that 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 uses genetic modification to make medicine. So we never hear the activists complain about the genetic modification. That, that create medicines that save lives. And, of course, because they know that they would lose that battle with the general public. But what they do win battles on is genetically modified an apple because it's easy to go, but why do you need to, right? I mean, what's the yeah. purpose? Food and, and it's really, because well, of course, yes, food of, of course, it's, but it's people, a hard, but it's slightly more want, nuanced. Well, it's because people only want to reduce food waste or they only want to fight, you know, uh, vitamin A deficiency or they only want to do... Uh, the things that are hard on their terms, but they don't actually want to put the effort in to do the thing. Right, so right, exactly. When, whenever, whenever a biotech company puts finds a way to fight uh, one of these really hard uh, to fight battles, they they're like, oh, let's you know do this with, in a way that works with things that people are already doing. They're like, right. the biotech company is just doing this for profit. It's like, yeah, you know what? They might make a profit, but they're also doing something that's really going to help the planet. Right. Well, I, I mean, I you're, cer- you're know, certainly you know. not you're certainly not going to get me complaining about anyone doing anything purely for profit. I think that's a fine yeah, uh, reason to do it. But you know, if, if if a company does something that makes a profit, as long as they're doing it that's that's not hurting anyone, that's you know that's by the regulations, that's safe. I don't right. see the problem. Right. And exactly. It's like, you know what? The amount of and I've I've looked into all the regulations, into all of the you know safety measures, into all the tests that GMOs go through. I've yet to, you know, if I ever saw a problem with this, a safety issue with it, I just from my toxicology background, I would be the first to to write about it. I would be yes, 100% willing to. And I mean, I used to work in pesticide testing, and right. part of that testing was making sure that there were no dioxins in it, making That's, sure the yes, things yes. were were safe. Because I eat this food too. Right. Right. I don't, right. And I mean, I have like I have a congenital condition that I have to manage. That I, you know, that that I, I really want to make sure that that doesn't hurt my health. Uh, first right. and foremost. I really don't want something else in the food supply that's hurting my health. I would be the first to speak out if I thought GMOs or pesticides were were also hurting them. And I've right, seen of course. nothing to suggest it is. And I would I I would absolutely speak out if I ever saw something that was hurting it. Um, but well, no, well, let's fun, let's talk uh, about let's talk let's about one of the yeah. ma- let's talk about one of the major companies that produces uh, a variety of 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 tools that that uh, farmers and and other people in the agriculture community use um, to increase yields to to um, improve their plants. Um, that's Monsanto. Um, you toured yeah. the the company there, the research facility. Tell us a little bit about that that whole trip. It's- it was, well, first, uh, I, uh, let's see, uh, for, uh, the main reason I was heading to St. Louis was I went out there to speak at a soybean conference, and when uh, your friend and mine, Cammie Ryan, saw that I was heading out there, she was like, would you like to come into our month's And I was like, well, of course I would. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I stayed with our friend Cammie uh, and went to, had a, had a half-day uh, tour of Monsanto. Uh, the first thing I did was sat down with their bee guy, everyone knows him as the bee guy, Jerry Hayes. Um, and had a nice long interview with him. And I'm working this all into an article that I'm going to be writing. But he cleared up a lot for me about uh, about the, the quote unquote the bee issue. And yep. you know, I there were so many questions I had about that because 
Like there are a lot of different species of bees. And I think people don't realize that. And I asked, you know, so what's happening with, with the bees? Uh, the first thing that I, I learned that I didn't realize was that wild bees, or as he called them, feral bees, are pretty much all, all dead, um, at least in the U.S., or, they're, you know, they're pretty much extinct, and it's because of the varroa mite. It's yep. not because of pesticide right. spraying. It's not because of GMOs. It's because of these mites. And he, right. he, was, he held up his fist to his chest, and he said, think about what it would be like if you had a pest, a, a, you know, a parasite, about the size of your fist just latched onto you. That's what it's like with these varroa mites. There, yeah. you know, we yep. didn't have a problem with this, you know, with with the bee populations until these varroa mites show up, uh, showed yep. up. And then uh, with, you know, basically all the pesticides that you find on bees, the reason that these hives uh, that are being these managed hives have pesticides on them is because uh, hive managers are they're put they're spraying pesticides that are targeted at the varroa mites not at the bees but now uh what jerry because jerry has worked in every single you know sector of bee management uh you know and 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 research that there can be now he you know and he took a few months to decide if he was going to go work at monsanto or not because of the stigma of monsanto but they have so many resources that he was like, this is the best chance I have at solving the varroa mite issue. Uh, what they're doing now is trying to figure out how they can save the bees without using pesticides and using bees' natural defenses against the varroa mites. Yeah, so, so let's let's repeat you know, that. We re- let's repeat that. We have Monsanto, who is actually working very hard to figure out a way to u- to save bees without using pesticides without to attack pesticides. the mites. It's, 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 it's so contrary to the narrative that is out everything there. everything people have heard. To everything yeah, you know, people have heard. Did he, did he talk I, about I was, neonics at all? It's, I asked him what was happening with neonics, and it's like, it's at the levels that they're sprayed, they don't hurt the bees. I, I mean, you, well, can, yeah. you can spray, I mean, you could possibly, like, there are some pesticides that hurt the bees, but it's not what we originally thought. Now, because of the fact that, you know, people thought there's a chance they were hurting them, every single, uh, you know, every, the companies that make them, and I've spoken to a few different people that work at Bayer about this, uh, they, found, they, they found ways to spray neonics uh, at parts of the plant that don't, um, that, that the bees don't pollinate. Uh, so like they spray them at the roots, not at the, not at the flowering parts of the plant. Um, and like they've, they did, um, there were a couple different uh, ways that they found to kind of, uh, you know, spray a little bit less, spray more efficiently, but nobody is just spraying. They're not like, ah, oh, let us spray the bees now. And it's no, I mean, look, these, yeah, there have like, been multiple highly respected field studies that consistently show that, that exposure to neonic treated yeah. crops has very, very little to do with honeybee this, deaths and, uh, and honeybee colony and, levels. So, you know, this is, this I mean, is people, again, one of these myths little, out there. And people got a little bit stupid when it came to regulation on this. And this is one of those, like, it's like, I might be a liberal, but like, I also, you know, think that people act um, rashly uh, with regulation sometimes when it comes to when people see there's a problem, they try to do something good and then they do a stupid thing with regulation. And this happened in Canada, um, I believe in Ontario, a, uh, a law came out last year. I don't know if it was a law or just a, I, I don't, I don't know the difference between a law and a regulation. This is just a, this is just me sure. not understanding Canadian government enough, right. uh, but they, there was a law, a new uh, law that came out last year. 
um, that was that growers couldn't apply uh, neonics until they had shown that they had an infestation uh, for, you know, oh they had to like gosh, do soil testing to show that they had an infestation. Yeah, basically. And one of, one of the farmers told me that in order, like, in order to do that, they had, like, by the time, you know, and they, you know, they apply neonics on a regular basis. And by the time they have an infestation and they have to show that there's and that that's bad enough that they have to show it and apply neonics, they would need to need to apply a pesticide like Matador that does actually hurt the bees. Right. Exactly. It was a ridiculous thing to pass. And I asked, I'm like, did they apply? Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go on. Go on. It's like, and, and I'm like, do they do they ask any scientists? Do they ask any farmers no, when they mm-mm. pass this law? None, of course not. So, can I mean, you, I really can hope explain, that. Can you explain to people what neonics are? It's a class of pesticides, right? I mean, it's a, it's a quote-unquote natural uh, class of pesticide that I believe is, I mean, I, I'm not up on this quite enough. Um, I believe it's derived from uh, fr- uh, from uh, nicotine. I'm not, I, I, yeah, I could I be speaking, I could be wrong on this, please, if someone listening no, no, is better that's, on, on this. That's okay. It, that's the, okay. But it is a class of pesticides. And I, I just think it's important to talk about how safe neo- neonics are considered. I mean, I, I just want to mention this I mean, one. They they're, are, they're, there was an analysis they are insecticide. Of, they're, so, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. There was an analysis of, I, I think this is really important. There was an analysis of 1,500 field studies, okay, so sort of a meta-analysis of all these field studies. Yeah. It found that using um, neonics increased yields on eight major crops, including corn. Okay, the yield increase, I'm not kidding, oh, yeah. this is unbelievable, went from 3.6% to 7.1% by using neonics, which, again, have been shown yeah, to have sense. zero zero harm to bees. So again, you know, you have this incredibly effective insecticide. I was calling it pesticide, but it really is an insecticide. It's not weeds. It's it's an insecticide. No, pesticide for just, just because I I get people try to correct me on this. And I'm like, I used to work in research and pesticide. No, I I was correcting correcting myself. I was correcting myself that you can. Pesticide is the blanket term for anything that kills either a weed killer and a bug killer. A weed killer. Anything. So pesticide is a correct term for uh, for, for uh, neonics. A bug killer. It's a bu- yeah. It's a it bug is, killer. So yep. And it's funny because people, whenever I call Roundup um, and a uh, pesticide, people are like, "It's an herbicide." I'm like, <laughs> because like, part, you're right. And the way to remember that the, re- the the way I always remember that is that like weeds and bugs are pests. pests. They're all pests. Yep. Right. So you can pests. say pesticide. It, everything. Yep. Right, and, and you can't like, call a bug killer an herbicide, and you can't call a, a weed killer a uh, what's the word for a bug killer? It's uh, an insecticide. Insecticide. It's insecticide that's fun- it. Yep, exactly. And insecticide, fungicide. Uh, it's they they all like whatever it is. What whatever you're trying to uh, let's see. Uh, I, I think uh, nematode. Like if you're trying to kill a nematode, like there's they can get well, really specific. Yes, oh, yes, 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 they do, of course. do for work. It's, of course. But, yeah, it's, I mean, they can get really, really specific. But if you're not sure what it's trying to kill and you're if – if I wasn't sure what I was trying to, to analyze and it's and, – and, and I knew it was just used to kill a thing, I would call it a pesticide. And then right. I got tricked on one because we had this thing um, called Smart Block. And all it did um, uh, back when I was working at AMVAC, and all it did was block the growth of potato spuds. Uh, and I started referring to it as a pesticide, and my coworkers are like, "No, that's not what it does." 
we had we had one thing I think it was called fruit one, and it helped uh, fruit stay uh, on the vine or on the ah. tree a little bit longer, so it would ripen a little bit longer. I mean, this is why conventional is better than organic, is yeah. because we have all these tools these that tools. help them. Uh, grow a little bit better. I mean, we, it's the, uh, you know, the conventional fruit market and the, the willingness to use, you know, tiny, tiny amounts of very well-researched chemicals allows the fruit to be, you know, allows these fruits and vegetables to, to, you know, grow better and ripen a bit more. And that's like in blind taste tests uh, in, in several cases, we've seen conventional produce beat organic produce. Because organic, yeah, yeah. it just means we're using older and in some cases dirtier and more uh, and, you know, stronger and worse chemicals for right. uh, for farming. Because not that I need to tell you this, Julie, but we all know organic uses pesticides. And that's why it says organic and not chemical free. That's, that's right. That's exactly right. Well, look, I want to mm-hmm. also just, uh, just spend a few more minutes talking about any other observations you had about your Monsanto tour. Oh, Again, IWF is, 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 is um, we're going out to St. Louis. Oh, we're yeah. doing an event with Monsanto, um, which I will, I will so sort of conclude fun. this. I know I'm so excited. I will conclude this podcast with information on that. But what, any other observations before we, we wrap this up? Oh, let's see. The, um, one of the neatest things I saw there is they have this thing, this machine shop. They are, they, because they have, and this is, I love seeing this. They sometimes because they're uh, they need new pieces of equipment made so quickly uh, to keep keep up with how fast they're innovating. But they have their own machine shop down there uh, that they need to build uh, new equipment. They have it. They have one of the biggest 3D printers on the planet. How wow. cool is that? Um, that one of, is and cool. one of the things I love about and I mean it's, I I don't know how much this counts for you, but I I love this because I uh, um like. It's my um, my brother is trans, and I know that sometimes it's hard for people. I've seen him uh, lose jobs because he uh, he lives in a part of the world where there isn't a lot of protection uh, based on uh, you know ba- based on your gender, based on your um, based on your orientation. Uh, they have a very inclusive hiring policy, and I do I do appreciate that a, a lot about them, especially because they're based in Missouri. So they're, right. that's something that I love about them. I love that they have such a, um, a, a never mind inclusive, but a, a very, uh, it's they're, they, they're, they're a very, uh, I guess, I hate to say it this way, but a very loving company for someone that people uh, look at as this monolithic evil corporation. It kind of takes the wind out of the sails of, of that when Deep. liberals like to demonize them as being this evil corporation uh, when they have, uh, you know, when, when they have such a wonderfully, like, united colors of Benetton. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting so that you say liberals. It's interesting you say liberals because it's funny. I find I find it, it it's, it's interesting, these pockets. You've got the hatred of Monsanto knows no party. It's like it's, it's radical yeah. environmentalists. It's some evangelical Christians. It's, it's wow. really interesting how you have these, you know, sort of what you wouldn't expect partnerships between these two very different groups of people, oh. um, you know, look, we've talked about this before. You and I have talked about this, about the anti-vax movement has, has as many liberal crunchy moms as it does conservative evangelical homeschooling moms. Um, so it's a, it's a strange, so crazy. Sort of, it, it really is. And, and you've got, just, I, you know, it's interesting when I write a piece, I get beat up more by people on the right than I do by people on the left. Um, because, I think you know, I, you I, you know, I, I, 
I often publish in more right of center places, but still even on Huffington Post, you know, people are appalled that I would, you know, that, that, you know, in some cases. How dare you um, write so, on Huffington I think, yeah. I think we see the crazy in our own parties and that's why yeah. we point it out more. Exactly. So yeah. It's, it's funny that we're, I think it's funny that we're pointing out the crazy in our separate part. And this is why we're right. friends. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, listen, I, you know, listen, I, I, I want to just do one quick plug for the um, event that IWF is partnering with Monsanto and um, also uh, the Global Health uh, Center at Washington University oh, wow. of St. Louis. Um, the three groups are doing an event. We're co-hosting an event on February 16th. That's Thursday from 530 to 8 p.m. Um, on the university campus. That's a Danforth campus at Washington University. It's going to be held in the Clark Fox Forum in Hillman Hall. All the details are at IWF under uh, the little um, the little tab that says events, and you can RSVP. There's a, a link to the Eventbrite page. Um, we have some really amazing panelists. I knew I could not get to Babe because she had just come back uh, from a trip to St. Louis, but we do often host Babe. She has been at other panels. We are huge fans of what the Babe is doing. Um, can you just, oh, I, 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 we're going to wrap this up, but I just want to give you an opportunity, Yvette, to talk a little bit about your book that's coming out. And, well, well, well apparently it was out in 2008, and I, 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 for, I, for, I, I, did, I missed it. No, I'm kidding. It's coming out in 2018. Um, can you tell us just a tiny bit about it? It's, well, it's a, kind of a guide to, to, uh, to bad science. Originally it was called uh, Cybabe's 10 Rules to BS Detection, and right now we're going through a bit of a reorg because I've changed editors uh, but it's it's a guide to uh, to understanding evil chemicals and and wonderful chemicals and greenwashing um, and what the perfect diet is. Hence, there's no perfect diet. Um, and I'm uh, there's one chapter that's on quantum everything. In other words, the uh, the Deepak Chopraization of science um, and understanding fake news and understanding why gurus are not the answer to everything. <laughs> um, and telling why, why somebody who brags. Yeah. Well, yeah, why somebody who brags that, that they're, um, you know, they're just a stay-at-home mom who taught themselves everything is probably not your go-to expert. Um, and why detoxes are bullshit. Right, um, right. And here's the, by the end of it, I'm hoping that if you, if you read this, you're not only going to just see a bunch of things debunked, but you're also going to be able to take that knowledge and apply it to other things. You'll be able to go, okay, I've learned how to recognize the signs of bad science. I'll right. be able to see a supplement and go, oh, this, you know, all these other, you know, this, this has the, these statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Um, it's probably bullshit. Right, right. So that, well, listen, listen, so I, I cannot thank you enough for coming on, telling us about your really exciting trip to Monsanto, certainly um, talking, you know, about how, you know, it's filled with wonderful people doing important research on important oh, topics yeah. that are making the world better. I mean, really making food ch- cheaper, more available, uh, you know, and yeah, again, more accessible to people. I think it's a really, it's, I mean, really important company. And I... Yeah. One last thing. One of the neatest things I saw, there was a case that had um, a a genetically modified corn plant next to two plants that weren't genetically modified. And you could see the worms. You know, they'd taken a few bites just to taste it, but then they'd gone over and attacked, just destroyed these two plants that weren't genetically modified. And I'm like, that's what we're looking at for our future. We're seeing plants that we're going to see plants that aren't 
uh, genetically modified, and we're going to see ones that are that are going to live and that aren't going to be sprayed as often. We're going to see reductions in in pesticide use across the board, and this is yeah. the future is going to be much better. Uh, relying on biotech and relying on the work of scientists as opposed to people who say, I don't know much, but I think we should do things the old-fashioned way. That That's never pushed us forward with technology. We need to rely on our scientists. And that, that doesn't just go, that, that goes for science. I mean, we have to, we can't just say we accept one science and not the other. That has to apply to biotech. We have to accept biotech. That's right. That's right. Look, I, I am, as you know, a huge fan of your work. I really hope that the people it's listening... A, it's a mutual will admiration society, really. <laughs> I, I hope that people will do two things. I hope that you will visit scibabe.com. It's a great site. Um, I love... Um, her uh, sort of her motto, which is, um, you know, a combination of real science and dirty jokes. She is, as you can tell from this, uh, this podcast, she is very funny and entertaining, a fabulous writer, and really is able to distill some really complicated scientific issues um, into terms that people can understand. It's non-scientists like me, so I myself rely a lot on, on Yvette um, and her Cybabe page. Um, this has been another edition of the Working for Women podcast. Please check out IWF for more podcasts. And again, check out IWF.org under the events tab for information on the event coming up on February 16th in St. Louis. All are welcome, media, students, anyone can come. So check us out again at IWF and thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by IWF.org for similar content.